0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddihy with Nissan on News Talk. Speaking of travel, the former Minister for Transport, Shane Ross, he was on the program a little bit earlier, and this was his reaction to the news that the Gardaí are apparently looking into using artificial intelligence technology to help them catch people who break the law with regards to seatbelt and mobile phone use while driving.
1: It's absolutely a no-brainer. I think it's a very, very good. Development, and I think they should grasp it with open arms as soon as possible. You know, the, uh, the the problems when I when one of the big problems when I was minister a couple of years ago was enforcement. That we had some pretty good legislation on speeding, we had some good legislation on mobiles and and on seat belts, but people weren't getting caught, and we knew that the breaches were going on. But the guard the guardie would say, and with with, with a certain amount of justification, look, we don't have the uh, the manpower or the, the forces to actually mm. go out there and police these particular measures in the way that we we would like to be able to do so.
0: That was Shane Ross, the former Minister for Transport, with me earlier in the show. Brian Caulfield is with me now, Associate Professor of Engineering at Trinity College, Dublin. Uh, Brian, this type of technology, does it make sense for the Gardaí to be using it?
1: We'd agree with the the former Minister. It does make sense. Um, And he was right. It's a lack of enforcement. We have lots of legislation around you know, use of bus lanes, um, cyclists and the distance to cars, all of these kind of things that we can't capture because the guards can't be everywhere. So this Mm -hmm. type of technology could assist them.
0: Uh, Because... When Shane Ross was Minister for Transport, he found himself in something of a political battle with regards to reducing drink driving limits and and imposing stricter penalties in other areas when it came to road traffic offences. And and the rhetoric from those who pushed back was always the same. It was, we don't need anything extra. What we need is enforcement of what we have. I I guess this is what enforcement looks like, isn't it?
1: It, it would seem that way and there are a number of different countries around the world that have that they're looking at this technology there's no great case studies yet to show um the, the benefits of it but a lot of people are looking at it and as i said you know the guards can't be everywhere and if we can lean on ai and and these cameras to do that type of work for us um why wouldn't we
0: a, a, a point that came up earlier um was about the use of, you know, AI in the headlines, uh, you know, it's catchy. So, of course, a headline writer is going to put it in it. I've mentioned AI about 20 times and talking about this <laughs> throughout the show. People are fascinated by its use. But I mean, it, it's not very sophisticated technology we're talking about in, in some cases here. I mean, when it comes to average speed limits, for example, and rolling that out, I mean, that's speed equals distance over time.
1: Yeah, but you don't have to attend one of my classes to to, to understand all of that. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And it it, it doesn't have to be AI cameras. We could just have license plate cameras. And they've been operating in the state for years. And that's what they have in the port tunnel. They don't have AI that I know of in the port tunnel. It captures your license plate at two distinct points. And if you've gotten there faster, then you're in trouble.
0: So what, what other areas might this be useful for, um, you know, improve technology on, on roadside cameras? So that at, at the moment, the obvious example is it's used for speeding. Uh, that's something we're all familiar with. The headlines today are a focus more on seatbelt use and mobile phone use um, in cars. What What other areas could it impact?
1: So if we have these kind of eyes across the the road network um and we can tell where cars are going or where perhaps they shouldn't be going, that's of a great advantage. So as we roll out Bus Connects and all these other bus projects across all of our five cities, um, we'll want to know basically whether or not people are driving in the bus lanes and something like this could then enforce bus lane um uh obedience in that that drivers aren't using it to to make wrong turns etc so that's one of the ways in which it could be used another way in which it's been used in california is that they have carpooling lanes over there and these cameras can be used to make sure that you know there's two people in your car um and enforce enforce it that way so using this technology, we can make all of these better uses uh, of our road space.
0: Um, I, it, it it does, though, um, move us more in the direction, even if you're a huge defender of this and you think it is the right thing to do, as most people seem to be getting in touch with the show and the people we've spoken to. It does move us more into the the realm of mass surveillance when it comes to driving. Again, that much like AI, kind of the phrase mass surveillance comes with a certain degree of baggage. But that's what it is, isn't it?
1: Pretty much. Um, if we're able to look into a car to find out, you know, whether somebody has their seatbelt on or not, we can look into to see a number of other things as well. And I, I suspect the legislation around this will need to be very tight. Um, but, you know, do the benefits outweigh the costs? Another benefit would be, you know, we can't enforce. There's a, there's a law there that we have to be a certain distance from a, from a cyclist when we're driving. That's impossible to enforce and this type of technology could do it. Whether or not we want to open up our roads to Big Brother like this, you know, that's up for the the, the people in the law department to, to to discuss an ethics. But the technology does have a
0: lot of benefits. The other technology, and this came up in the conversation with Shane Ross uh, uh, as well, that exists... Um But there's very little prospect, as far as I can see, of it being rolled out here because no one is having the conversation. Speed limiters exist on cars, uh, yet there's no suggestion we should be uh, uh, putting them on all cars on Irish roads. Breathalysers exist that will stop you getting into and operating a car if you're over the limit. And again, there seems to be no appetite uh, to use these uh, on Irish roads. These, again, are relatively simple pieces of technology, aren't they?
1: They are, um, all of these technologies that they could be incorporated into the vehicles. But I think I know that the, the discussions around them lie in Brussels and whether or not the EU will allow us to, or the EU want to push for those types of technologies to go into these vehicles. But yeah, a lot of the technologies, even like, you know, AI is the fancy term at the moment, but. You know, license plate cameras could have been called AI back in the day, but all of the technologies Mm. exist. It's whether or not the the, the car manufacturers are willing to put them into the vehicles.
0: It's kind of a it's a a funny area, isn't it, when it comes to driving, Brian? I mean, I'm not sure is there a comparison with any other aspect of our lives, wherein a lot of people kind of resent having to obey the law. You know, I, I would I would reckon beyond the kind of the debate in Brussels, there would be a severe pushback from people and politicians in this country if we had to put speed limiters on all of our cars.
1: I, I think you're right. And and speaking to colleagues of mine in psychology and Trinity, that what they would say is that, you know, your car is almost an extension of your house. And it's like you're driving around with a three piece suite and people don't want that type of technology or surveillance in their house. And that's I, that the mindset from some of the research that I've read about people when they're in their cars so that they feel that they're in this little bubble and, you know, the cyclists and all the other cars and the buses aren't really their problem. They're in this extension of their house. So, yeah, there, there there's a lot of research to show that and, you know, trying to limit and trying to get people to do, you know, to, to obey the laws can be very difficult.
0: Uh, to what extent is you know, maybe moving the jet chairs in the Titanic is the wrong metaphor to reach for. But to what extent might, might this entire conversation become redundant because of AI? I mean, it is just moving at such a pace that it's not beyond the rounds of possibility, Brian, that our cars are just going to be driving us in the not too distant future.
1: There's a, there's a, a lot of debate about that, whether or not we should be, whether that's where we should be going. Um, from a kind of from a transport planning perspective, like you know, if you could get in your car in the morning and fall asleep and then end up, you know, at, at News Talk headquarters, you'd probably be doing the breakfast show, you know, that kind of thing. So, from a planning perspective, the whether or not we allow this or not is debatable. And a lot of the people kind of think around AI and autonomous vehicles that they're a solution looking for a problem. No doubt that they do have safety benefits. But anything that makes people driving around in a car easier, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to question from a climate and a congestion yeah. perspective.
0: Yes, yeah, particularly from congestion. I'm always amazed when, when you speak to people, um, about the M50 and they make the point that actually the M50 is very, very rarely over capacity, even at peak times. What the problem a lot of the time is is that people are driving too fast on different portions of the M50 or they're braking too late or they're changing lanes without indicating properly and then there's a kind of a ripple effect or a butterfly effect however you want to describe it but it's rarely the case during the day that there are actually too many cars on the road. If they all drove the, the way they were meant to drive and it's probably impossible to expect people to all drive the way we're meant to drive perfectly all of the time but cars driven by AI would do.
1: Yep, and there's, there's a lot of sense in that argument. We did some research on it in Trinity around the um, autonomous vehicles on the M50 and we saw that the benefits didn't really kick in until about 90% of all of the cars were autonomous. And that, result, that having that means a, a huge investment in a lot of sensors either side of the road. Uh, but you're right, the M50 is, is a great example of a highly instrumented road. And the reason that they put in the, the variable speed limits is for that. So if there's an accident further along the M50, it slows down the the traffic that's approaching in order to keep the flow moving at a certain pace. Um, But it is, you know, people, when we model traffic and transport, we don't model the lunatics that will go across three and four different lanes because, you know, we just can't. uh, But that's always going to happen.
0: Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor of Engineering at Trinity College, Dublin. Brian, thanks a million uh, for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Coddighy. With Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on Newstalk.